Welcome to Everybody Has Shit. I'm Kim Reed. This podcast is an open invitation to put your wellness on another level. You no longer have to keep your autoimmune disease or whatever it is that's holding you back a secret. Secrets hurt us. Everybody has shit. So let's all get better together. Let's all try to overcome the challenges we are facing and live our best life. There are so many ways to get pain relief these days. However, finding the right one for you can be a long and winding road. This episode delves into the world of CBD and its many benefits. It requires changing the cannabis stigma and looking at it from a holistic and healing point of view. It's a world worth exploring, especially if you suffer from anxiety, chronic pain, or many other ailments. Meet our tour guide and expert, Shelby Huffaker, as she explains all of it. Let's get to it. So we are talking today with Shelby Huffaker, and I have very much been looking forward to this discussion about CBD. And I want to know, first of all, you were affiliated with Tori Holistic, which is where I've been. I think it was the first dispensary I was ever in. Look at you. Tor- I know. Ooh. Tori Holistic. Uh-huh. I Modern felt woman. like a foreigner walking in. It just felt weird. Like I was doing something wrong, but I wasn't. So how did you get affiliated with Tori Holistic? Yeah, so I began, I'll, I'll rewind from the beginning. So I first became really passionate about cannabis when I was in college, like many people. And and I was training for a marathon. Okay. So I would, you know, take a little hit off of my pipe, go out and run, you know, 20 miles. um, And it really helped me um, keep my sanity. So I realized hmm, maybe there's some other sorts of things I can use cannabis for. And I've always struggled with um, mental health issues. problems like anxiety and depression. So I was like, maybe I'll start using it before my classes and be able to focus better. So I started doing that and I just experienced such a dramatic change in my mental health state. Um, and that really kicked off my passion in cannabis. So did it, mm-hmm. d- w- when you say you used it for your mental health, did you have to keep using it over I mean like was it something that you had to do regularly in order to have an effect on your mental health I would say yes and it you know it's kind of goes in line with other medications as well like you take um you know a medication one time and and sometimes that doesn't work you have to take it consistently to start experiencing those effects and particularly with CBD I think um a lot of people take CBD and expect to experience immediate uh, results, but a lot of times people start to experience that over the course of a couple weeks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how did you run into Tori Holistic? Because I, I just mm. feel like, because I, I live in Carmel Valley, everybody knows about Tori Holistic because it it's like the place everybody goes. Right. So I graduated from college and I was just looking around, um, trying to just find a job to start paying off my loans and I applied to Tori Holistics as a bud tender. And they said, well... As a what? A bud tender. Oh, so okay, bud. Okay. <laughs> you have your bartenders. And okay. In the weed world, we oh, call oh, them oh. your bud tenders. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they said, well, we're not hiring a um, bud tender right now, but we're looking for an assistant marketing director. So I said, oh, well, you know, that's kind of what I studied in college. Um, let me go ahead and do that. 
Okay. So that's how I kind of got my foray into the cannabis world. Um, and I provided that little story because, um, you know, that's what motivated me to go into cannabis in the first place, but I didn't necessarily seeing it as being kind of my career trajectory. It mo- um, Helping you with your mental health exactly. is what motivated you to be a part of that. Yes. And so once you got into the world... Because I'm fascinated by it. I don't know a whole lot about it. I do know that CBD has healing effects. My mom uses it, the balm on her arthritic hands, and it helps. Um, so I really want to explore and investigate CBD. And, you know, do we call it marijuana still? You can call it that. Wait, what do you call it? <laughs> I call it cannabis. And okay. the reason I do that is some people have been trying to shift away from using the word marijuana just because when you go back to the very first days of cannabis prohibition in the 30s, um, people knew what it was. Like you could go to the pharmacy and get a cannabis tincture. But the head of the um, Federal Bureau of uh, Narcotics, yeah, narcotics, um, he spun it, he started calling it marijuana as a way to um, inspire some xenophobia against the Mexican refugees of the Civil War happening there. So a lot of people think nowadays, you know, maybe we should start to call it by its scientific name, not only so that it's gaining more credibility within the science world and and the medical world, but also um, just because of that long-lasting stigma. That being said, I think that, you know, we've used the word marijuana for so many years. It's colloquially, I think, become something different. So Time for a matter of time for a name change. Yeah. (laughs) Do you, as as a person, like I said, started in this industry in a way that you never thought that you would, finding it helping you in a way that you never thought that it would, do you find it difficult to even go against the stigma that still exists? Because at this point, it's just ignorance. Because we live in a world where there's a beer commercial, there's a hard liquor commercial, there's a cigarette commercial. And those things are far more harmful to the body and less helpful to the body and yet something that is helpful and something that could give people pain relief. It's absolutely still stigmatized. Like, oh, you see, you got to get it behind an alley. Definitely. Yeah. And that was really my motivation to pursue a master of public health. I'm, I'm a student right now at UC San Diego um, because I did see while I was working at Tory Holistics and getting a lot more immersed in sort of the science and the politics around it, um, I just noticed there was such a divide between cannabis consumers who, you know, have very um, real lived experiences with it helping them uh, versus the medical and academic communities. And a lot of that's because of the Schedule One status of cannabis on the national level. Um, It makes it very difficult to study in humans. So I think there's been a little bit of a delay catching up um, with that medical academic community. So that's really my goal is to bring some insights as a consumer and as someone who's worked in the industry to the medical and academic communities. Are you finding Mm -hmm. that that community is intrigued and open and willing to research and see what the effects or the positive effects that CBD and cannabis have on people who are sick? Oh, definitely. I think there's uh, been a lot more of an opening up um, in the viewpoints among academics. Um, I do still see hints of that stigma coming up here and there, Um, but you know, it's a work in progress. Okay. So let's go, 
let's just start from the beginning in terms of walking into, let's say, Tory Holistic. There's so many options there. I would imagine that as somebody who was a bud budsman, bud tender, <laughs> a bud a bud tender, a budsman, <laughs> a budsman, a budsman. I know I couldn't budsman. So you have to know bud tender, <laughs> bud tender. Did you have you heard of that before? Not until I started going there. No. <laughs> okay. Um, but you, there's so many different kinds of plants and different effects. How do you, I know it's like anything that you delve into, but anybody just can't work there. You got to know what you're talking about, especially if somebody comes in and has certain ailments or is sick, you got to know how to direct them. Right. And I think that's kind of what's so amazing about this whole new world after legalization is we're learning so much more about the plant and the different chemovars and strains and cannabinoids and all of these um, compounds that really make cannabis therapeutic. So I will say, you know, there's uh, definitely a lot to be learned. A lot of times, the first time you go into a dispensary, you might not find a product that works quite ideally for you. But, you know, you can experiment a little bit because, like I said, there's just so many different types of strains. Um, and some work better for uh, for some people than others. What would you What would you say to someone who's listening to this that can hear your voice, and they they still have a fear based on it. They still they're in pain. They've tried all these uh, these other ways of doing it, and now the cannabis seems to be helping people around them. But they still feel like oh, I don't know, not for me. Not. What would you say to a person like that? Where would you tell them to start? What would be some advice that you would give them? Or well, a friend listening to this that's trying to help somebody come over to the, the side of better wellness, what would you say to them? First of all, I would say you cannot die from cannabis. And I think that's really important. <laughs> that's the first I think thing. that you, you cannot die from cannabis. Um, you can certainly feel a little uncomfortable, but just right off the bat, like know that you're safe. Um, Second of all, there are plenty of products that are not going to give you that psychoactive, psychotropic effect that um, is characteristic of THC. Um, so you can actually try CBD first if you're a little bit nervous about that mind-altering effect. Um, you can try like a very high CBD product, or you can try a topical balm or lotion. And with uh, the lotions, you actually, even if it does have THC, it's not going to enter your bloodstream. So you won't feel any of those effects. Um, so that would be a great place to start for people who are really nervous about that mind-altering effect. But you could also start with like a microdose of THC. That's going to be anywhere from like one to three milligrams. Um, and we always used to say at Tory Holistics, start low and go slow because <laughs> you can always take more, but you can never take less. Right. So, you know, we'd rather you be underwhelmed your first time um, experiencing cannabis than, you know, taking a little bit more than you're comfortable with. But ultimately, um, you know, it's just important to remember that it's legal now. You don't have to be worried about, you know, doing something illicit or under the radar. Um, you can enjoy cannabis like you'd enjoy a glass of wine. And I think a lot of times just knowing that helps people uh, dial down the fear a little bit. I, okay, so when I was in high school. Oh boy. Uh-huh. I did. I got high a lot. And <laughs> I know, shocker. So, uh, in, but I haven't in many, many years. Well, I took a couple puffs probably a year ago. I'm sitting in Samurai. All of a sudden hit me and I'm like, what 
is happening. The sushi place? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like sitting there having food. You know how it's like a Benihana. And I'm like, what's happening to me? What did I smoke? It was the weirdest feeling. It was not like high school. It was strong. Yeah. I mean, are there that many varieties and options that it's like, I mean, it was a high that I've never felt before. What year was this we're talking? What, a, no, like a year samurai, ago. Samurai. 80s. Okay. That was a that was a full that was a full person ago. I know, but still, I don't ever remember feeling like that. It was wild. I think you know part of it. <laughs> this is just my hunch. This you know I haven't seen any papers or anything on this, but I do think that you know it's possible to experience cannabis differently at different stages yeah. in your life. So that could be part of it. It could also be just you know not having the tolerance for it um, after so many years. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, the potency of cannabis products has been um, going up as well. So if you are a newcomer to cannabis, you know, make sure you're not going for the highest you yeah. know, 30% strain. You're going to want to start with something more around like 15%. 15% THC? THC. And okay. Mm-hmm. There's more science to it now than in the 80s. Yeah. Was some guy was making it and it was not, or some guy was making it and it wasn't any science into it. They knew how to do it because someone taught them how to do it. Just to make this plant, it'll grow. Right. And whatever it grows, that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Now they have labs. Yeah. Now they have literal scientists, like people going to college <laughs> to learn how to do this on a, on, on a level that we never could comprehend. When any of us were initially introduced into it because it wasn't a it wasn't such a more of a lucrative business. Now it's seen as a the forefront of something that no one saw coming. Because economically what it has done to places like Colorado, Washington State, and yep. California, it's now become a, a financial juggernaut for a lot of states to use to kind of shore up some of their issues. Right. The other thing that's um interesting with cannabis now like being legal is I think there's Going back to the um, the potency um, topic, for so many years when cannabis was illegal, and we see this with all drugs that are criminalized, is that they tend to become more potent. So if you think about going to Coachella and trying to sneak a, a flask in your bra as opposed to a six-pack of beer, which one are you going to choose? Yeah, You're going to choose the flask. And that's what happened in the time of alcohol prohibition. So I think we've seen with these increasing potencies of uh, cannabis just kind of being, you know, for so many years trying to increase the potency in order to kind of get it into as small of a form as you can. Nowadays, I think that a lot of, um, you know, producers and growers are understanding that and consumers as well, understanding that THC isn't everything. It's certainly helpful for a lot of people and it's, very fun as well. Right. I can speak personally. Um, but you know, you want to have, you want to make sure you have that full entourage effect of the different cannabinoids like CBD or CBN you might've heard of, um, the terpenes, um, the limonene, that's the, what makes it smell like lemon or pinene. There's hundreds and hundreds of compounds in cannabis. And I think we need to start giving some more love to some of the lesser, uh, known or recognized, compounds in the plant so if somebody came in um I, I was reading about that cbd helps with fibromyalgia so what kind of what form of cbd i mean is it going to have thc in it or is it just straight cbd 
I mean, how do you, how do you diagnose, you, we know the diagnosis, but how do you come up with the plan? Right. So when it comes to products, there's, it depends on the extraction method. Um, if you're using a product like a tincture or something, you can. Wait, is that like mm, a drop? The dropper. Yeah. Okay. With the oil. Okay. So there, it's possible to isolate CBD so that it's just pure CBD. Is that, that mm-hmm. st- I tried that. Is that like tar? Huh? Uh, because <laughs> I took a thing, I took some many years ago that I had to put under my tongue that was like tar. It was. They've gotten tastier and okay. they've gotten a lot, <laughs> okay. a lot better. A lot of times it's in like a coconut oil okay. base. So yeah. it just tastes like coconut oil, maybe a little bit planty, but some of them are more you know, filtered than others. But so mm-hmm. it's better to do it in a tincture because it's more concentrated and will the effects happen quicker? Well, it's hard to say that there's one method that's better than all the others because they are all good for, you know, different sorts of um, contexts and places. Um, but with tinctures, what's really amazing is that they are absorbed sublingually. So that means under the tongue. And it enters the bloodstream directly. So as opposed to, you know, taking an edible where you're waiting two hours um, to feel those full effects, with a tincture, you're feeling it within 15 minutes. About. Okay. Okay. Yeah. When you're studying it, what you individually, what have you, which healing property have you found to be the most surprising? I think that one thing that surprised me to see, and I, in hindsight, it's, it kind of makes sense because like I mentioned, I started using cannabis when I was training for a marathon, but there's more literature coming out now showing that people who use cannabis are on average more likely to exercise. They're more likely to have lower BMIs, which kind of goes against the whole, everything, you know, I, everything yeah. with the munchies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so laziness. I think that was laziness. Well, see, yeah, that's my stigma. Is that you, you get high, you know, you're just kind of like chilling on the couch. That's not the case. Right. But That's the, uh, what I have in my head. But, again, but that was the idea of when it was, when it was, uns- when there was not a lot of science to it, the stigma was, oh, people, you sit around, you smoke, you get lazy. Yeah. But that was the level of, that was what you were smoking. Now that it's been studied to the point that it's been studied, you can be coached up on, well, this will make you get off the couch <laughs> and this will put you underneath the couch. Like yeah. there's, there's a different mix of things. So. I think that that's one of the major changes that I've seen um, and that it, I've seen it help people is that now that we know a lot more about it through scientific study, we've been able to approach it from a different perspective. But if you, if like when I was there at Tory Holistic and in the waiting room, because you have to sit in a waiting room and then they call you back and they assign you a person, you just don't walk right. in and just, uh, you know, you have somebody helping you. But you look around and you see who's sitting in the lobby, you know that a lot of those people are sick. Right. And they're there to get help. So that is what I think the beauty of this is. It can really help people. There's a medicinal effect to this that I love. And But you need guidance, though. You need to know how to jump in and begin. Because my beginning was horrible. <laughs> horrible. But I just love that it can offer people, like, going through chemotherapy or, you know, whatever it is that they have, some relief. Absolutely. And I totally agree. I think that education is so important because I've met so many people who say, you know, I I really wanted to try cannabis, but I took, you know, my first time I 
took an edible and I totally freaked out and it was a terrible experience and I never want to try it again. But it could be that they just didn't have the right guidance going into that. They didn't, no one told them the start slow, go slow yeah. right. sort of thing. So it, it's just a shame that they're missing out on all these great benefits um, because essentially there wasn't the education there to help them. So well, I've, I've I mean, been, most people's first time is with a friend. Like it's not with somebody who knows anything. It's, it's literally with somebody who knows nothing. Yeah. A little bit more than you oh, yeah. because they gave it to you. Right. They're not going to school you on right. the positive effects of cannabis. No, at all. Cannabis now. <laughs> I'm you. on the cannabis train. That was quick. It's uh, 19 minutes. I wonder how my children will feel about me when I call oh, it cannabis. Boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So, but I have been taking, are you familiar with this? Yes. So th- these are like little chew, like little, ba- I don't know. What are they? Uh, I think they're gummies. Like, they're gummies. Little That's gummies. what it is. Little gummies. For sleeping. But there's, there's only no, one left. I know. Damn it. <laughs> I, know. I gotta go back. I gotta, gotta go, back. go back to the dispo. I know. <laughs> I didn't so, expect for that to happen. I know. Damn it. Don't remind me of that. So wait, there's no THC in this though, is there? There is in that one. Yes. And I think it's got one milligram. If I can see. Oh, five milligrams THC. I mean, serving. I don't mm-hmm. feel, I feel zero effect of it, but it does work for sleepy time. That's all that matters. To yeah. Me. <laughs> that's all no, it yeah. really does yeah. because I've been having hot flashes. And so my girlfriend gave me one of these and I'm like, Ooh, these work really nice. They put you out and they're tasty. They're so tasty. Most importantly, they're tasty. Yeah, they are. You tasty. go back at even just like five or 10 years ago in the brownies and edibles you were oh, getting. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I feel like I'm eating a plant. Yeah. 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 I mean the potency though, also like in brownies, I've never, would you, that's not an edible. Yes, it, it is. is. Oh, this mm-hmm. isn't edible. You yeah. eat it. Well, hell, I don't know. I'm not. I didn't get high from it. But you put it in your mouth. Okay, fine. So it's edible. But that, yeah. But like, have you had an edible? I, I, I do it all the time. <laughs> oh, you do? So for me, I'm not a big smoker. Like, I'm not a. I'm a tincture. I'm an edible kind of person. I'm not a really big smoker because, again, growing up. So a little bit about me that the listeners know. She knows a lot about it. I grew up in a very poor family, a very like drug dealer. So I know a lot about weed like the physical grass weed i don't know a lot about tinctures i don't know a lot about uh edibles and so i never wanted to smoke i've never smoked a cigarette i've never smoked anything and the gummies and it's funny story she said about brownies initially you could eat a brownie and i have no idea what's in the piece that you've eaten right Mm -hmm. like you could eat It'll be an entire pan, yeah. and you can eat the wrong corner, and you will be gone somewhere. <laughs> and the person who ate the square right next to you, they'd be perfectly fine yeah. because it was such an imbalance of it. And so for me, being able to, because to, we partner with Tory Holistics at the other uh, work that I have, being able to get my hands on different options has been a game changer for me um, because I'm more of a gummy person. I'm more of a, a, a tincture person, and, and it has been... Fairly well for me. So you use the drops under the tongue? No, I just eat the candy. Oh, you eat the candy. Yeah. Okay. And so can I ask you why? Is there like an anxiety problem or what do you, what is your... Me? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm trying to get high. Like I don't have any... <laughs> okay. No, I didn't think you had anxiety because you're no, so low key. I don't got no anxiety. Oh, I, I was just waiting to hear if you had, if you wanted to share something with me. No, I don't have, I don't have any of those. Um, I don't have any of the, the reasons that we're trying to coach people into to kind of either getting involved for their own safety or just for a peace of mind. I just, I'm a relaxed guy. 
Yeah. I do it to relax. I don't, I don't do it because I have like these underlying issues. I think that for me, it's easier than drinking a beer. It's easier than drinking a, a shot of Jack. Like it's far in tastier. It. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's less abusive to your body. Like yeah. if you, you drink enough alcohol, cause I have many a times, many of us have, it hurts the next day. And depending on how much you, you drank the day after that. And so I hated waking up like that. I hated waking up knowing that the next day was ruined because I had a great time last night. Exactly. And you know, that's funny you say that because I know in the past 20 years, I've had maybe three hangovers. I hate the worst. hangovers. They're the worst. Because you waste a day. God, yes. I went to Park City and I wasted a day skiing because I couldn't even stand straight. So that is funny because I have had conversations with so many of my friends who don't want to drink anymore, who would rather do a chewable, a chewable? No, an, edible. an edible. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Who would rather do an edible than deal with it the next day? Yeah. Yeah, that's totally real. And I think that, you know, to your point about um, edibles and how far they've come now. Yeah, yeah. That's been one of the greatest things about legalization is you know what exactly what you're mm -hmm. getting. Like that gummy right there is going to give you five milligrams of THC. Okay. Right. Before when you're, when it was your uncle's brother's Good son. son. You had Good no luck. idea. You had no idea. So how much THC does it take to like where, where I would feel it? Like if this mm -hmm. is just 0. 0.5. That or, one's five milligrams. Oh, five milligrams. Mm -hmm. So like wh what is an amount of THC that gets you high? Well, it really depends on the person mm -hmm. and not only the person's physiology, but also like how much you've um, you had to eat that day or how hydrated you are. So it does vary, um, but typically people start to feel the effects of THC. If you're totally new to it, you'll start to feel those effects around two milligrams. Okay. So it could be, you know, that maybe just having taken them for so long, you don't feel that effects more, or maybe, you know, you just uh, would need a slightly higher dose to start feeling that psychotropic effect. Um, but typically you know, we say like start around two milligrams and then work your way up from there by, you know, one milligram at a time if you can. But it's not immediate. And that's the thing that's, is that like, yeah. you got to plan, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you got to wait a period of time and not just pile them on hoping right. to get that buzz and also, or whatever. Uh, not take another one. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what my husband did. Clearly we are not a druggies. We are so green in the drug department. That, but that's the common misconception. You mm -hmm. take one and you've waited like 10 minutes. Like, man, I don't feel anything. Give me another one. And then five minutes later, Bam. it hits you. Then the other one you ate hits yeah. you 10 minutes after that. So yeah, it's a, I always toast. say everybody has an edible story. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. So what about like who regulates the cannabis arena? Well, in California, it's the California Department of Cannabis Control. Um, obviously, federally, it's not legal yet. So there really isn't a whole lot of regulation happening on that side. Um, from the Cole Memorandum that came out, I think, in the early 2010s, it basically said that, look, we're not going to try to prosecute um, you know, any or pursue any, um, you know, incarceration or cannabis crimes within states that have a legal regulated um, framework. So it really is, um, it relies on the states to regulate and enforce that. Do you think that that has helped it either, better question, 
Do you think that the decriminalization of it has helped or hurt it due to the fact that there's so many people who the, the criminal justice system has milked because of this? Like there's a lot of nonviolent, low level drug offenders who spend a lot of time in jail because they simply can't afford to get out. They can't afford a court date. Do you think that the, the people behind the scenes, so to speak, are making it harder for it to become more legal federally because of this? Um, I mean, I know it's a difficult question to ask. Yeah. Well, I think that if I understand correctly, there is, you know, decriminalization is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, and legalization is one more step. But I would go even further and say that we need legalization with a framework of expunging prior mm -hmm. cannabis convictions and reinvesting in those communities that have been impacted the most by the war on drugs. And I think in that a major flaw of California's um, Prop 64 and its whole legalization process is it did not set up a framework for that to happen automatically. So a lot of those people are still, you know, suffering from those, um, you know, past cannabis convictions that they had struggling to find a job because that's on their record. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. crazy now. I mean, you, th you never thought about that, but people who were convicted and who are serving and now it's legal. It's like, and people are profiting off of it. Yeah. But then they can't because they have that, that history. That ding. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, one of the things that made me very hesitant initially, and this is a 100% true story is I've known so many people who have lost their freedom to simple marijuana deals. Not, not crack, not cocaine, just dealing weed for a decade of their life. And to then see white people then turn and profit off of it and then everybody be okay with it while they're still sitting in jail for way less weed than, than these other people are, are moving. It, it, it created a heart. I harbored some negativity towards it myself because like you said the programs to help those people who've been hurt by this the most they don't exist and the ones that do exist they don't they don't go far enough to help a person yeah. to get out of jail and get that expunged like you've got to work to get something expunged off your record when it comes to something like that and i just think that we we have so much work to do on so many sides of it i think people just thought it was a victory once it got passed once it became, okay, it's cool to do it, it's acceptable, they won't hassle you anymore. That wasn't the end. That was the beginning. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, definitely. And um, what's interesting is that New York looks like it's going to have a really, or one of the more progressive sorts of legalization plans. And I think, you know, that could be partially because um, – Governor Cuomo wanted to get something popular <laughs> passed before, <laughs> before, he, <laughs> before he left. left. So, but, it, you know, it worked out to our yeah. advantage. So um, what, when you say progressive, tell me how New York would be different from California. Well, they're going to be a lot more proactive about reinvesting in communities and making sure that there are system in, systems in place to expunge those past convictions. They also have decriminalized, um, you know, using it in public which I think is a big thing that a lot of times, you know, communities of color um, often struggle with over policing. So in that sense, I think it's a good step in the, in a right direction as well. So can we, can we be on the street and get high here or smoke? not in California? Okay. No. I, and it, I mean, you know, <laughs> if you go to 
the PB boardwalk, you might yeah. find different. You might smell a lot of yeah. that. <laughs> it's, it's windy but, down there. Yeah. I, I think that probably it's a lot of, uh, you know, tourists coming yeah. and saying, oh, it's legal here. You know, just light Jail. one up on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Take this fine. And what about organic? Yeah, that's a, that's a big, um, you know, component of the legal cannabis industry now. I mean, it's important that it's been legalized because before, um, you know, the illicit growers, they didn't have any regulations. And so therefore they, you had no idea what was actually going into the growing process. You don't know if they were using pesticides, um, which you definitely don't want to be consuming, let alone smoking. Yeah. Um, so legalization has been helpful in that sense. Um, because it's not legal federally, cannabis can't, um, that brands can't have the USDA organic label, but there are a number of brands who are working to, um, improve sustainability when it comes to growing cannabis and making sure that, um, you're not harming the land and, and using more organic practices. So I'll give you an example, um, if you're familiar with Dr. Bronner's, the yes. soap company, yes. I am. He's, they're local, they're local. Yeah. Um, so David Bronner has um, created a Sun and Earth certification to basically help brands, um, growers that are doing everything um, regeneratively yeah. and um, with the environment in mind. They have that certification to show to consumers that, look, this this product is, you know, ethical and, and sustainable. So making sure that, you know, it's grown outdoors, um, that you're... Um, you know, using natural pest management um, as opposed to pesticides. All of those things are really important um, in terms of ensuring the sustainability. So how, wait, how do you know which products have those, have that check? Well, I would look for the Sun and Earth uh, oh, the certified sun. label. And they have, have it on here? Uh, I don't think on that one, um, but it's got like a little seal. Okay. Seal of approval. Okay. <laughs> well, because I mean, if we're concerned about you know, our foods and, you know, mm -hmm. we want our foods to be organic. I would think that, you know, it's a plant. Yeah. You want that to be organic as well. So as, as you continue to grow in this business and you continue to, to chart your own path, so to speak, what does the future look like for you? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> and I, I'm not even necessarily sure myself because the path that I want to do doesn't necessarily like exist yet, but that's great. It's great. Yeah. That's and, great. and I think that's why, um, th this cannabis industry is so exciting because there are so many new opportunities. Um, but I think that, you know, my general goal is to be able to work both with consumers and, um, you know, the medical community, academic community to educate both sides, like how to, um, take an edible and have a good experience, you know, for the consumers. And then also talking to doctors and saying like, I mean, how do you, uh, teaching them the same thing so that they know how to talk to uh, their patients about it and educate their patients. But I would imagine that doctors. Um, well, how close are we to that though? I would think that there are doctors who do, pres would prescribe. There are doctors. I would say there's definitely still a lot of misunderstandings though so stigma. like is there would there be like a hospital here that you would work with like UCSD or Scripps that you could go right in there go right to the top and start implementing this like trickle it down a little <laughs> bit I am sure there that it's possible 
One of the big barriers, though, is that a lot of these hospitals, especially if it's affiliated with a public university, are receiving federal funds. Mm. And for that reason, they actually might not, like I know, I think at Kaiser, like they're not even allowed to talk to their patients or bring it up with them. Really? Right. Yeah. So it's a big problem, you know, and because people are using it, they're experiencing benefits. But then if they are going to their doctor and their doctor is saying, no, you shouldn't be using that or, you know, you're using it in the wrong way or, um, you know, telling them that that direct something that directly conf- conflicts with their lived experiences. I think that's really harmful to the trust mm-hmm. between a doctor and, and a patient. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, it's just like anything else. If I'm experiencing something and you're telling me what I'm experiencing is wrong, I'm not going to trust you. Because I know that if I'm doing this and it's making me feel better and I come see you and I tell you this and you give me something else and it doesn't work as good, it, that, that creates a, a barrier between a doctor and a patient. And I think that's a huge issue. It is. And also through the course of this podcast and just being ill, you have to be a doctor yourself. You have to do the legwork. You have to do the research. You can't just hand your study. You can't hand your medical records over to a doctor and expect that they're going to mm-hmm. figure it all out. They don't. They won't. It's up to you to do all the work. Right. And, you know, I don't want to be too hard on doctors. Like, they have it. They have so much work. No, they they're, do. But they're working so hard. But at the same time, as, of, as it stands, I don't think, I might be wrong about this, but I don't think they receive any training in their, um, about cannabis, um, in their. No, and no, but my, no, my point wasn't like a knock on doctors. It was just that you have to take your health into your own hands. Right. You have to be the one to come up with different ways of eating or I don't know, whatever it is that your problem is, whatever chronic illness you have or whatever is getting you down, you're the one that has to really do the research. Mm-hmm. And you got to be proactive about your health. Yeah, you do. I mean, and it's a it's a ongoing job, and it's you know you and I were talking about well the three of us were talking about the Liver King. Um, oh he's on he Instagram. Made the podcast. He did no, but but the point is okay. So I was making chicken liver, and I put it on my stories, and then somebody was like, "Oh, you got to look at the Liver King." He eats raw liver, which I don't think I could ever do. And he eats like testicles and like brain and heart and all that. But the point is, is that I personally am still searching for relief and for the Would you right eat a brain? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Oh. If I had a really good sauce. No. <laughs> I don't know. Have you marinated? Mm. No, maybe. I don't know. Aren't they kind of squishy? Never ate one, don't know. <laughs> See, and and like, have you ever eaten a testicle? No. <laughs> so those are apparently good for you. Yuck. However, I mean, I would maybe try one. But the liver king, you know, is an advocate of eating grass-finished meat, fruits, honey, raw milk, all the things that we're not supposed to eat. So you get conflicted as a patient and as a consumer where to go? I I just remember I had a question. I forgot it because she said something about anyway. As a woman in this industry, I think one because I've interviewed because uh, we have the Tory Holistics podcast, so we've interviewed a lot of women in the industry. And one thing that this industry is doing is giving women an opportunity 
at the start of something and everybody's kind of starting at the same place because most of the women that we've spoken to, I always ask them, is this as male dominated as it is other businesses that you are in? And a lot of them say yes, but it's better than that because you have an opportunity. You have a clear cut opportunity because like you said, what you want to do, it doesn't exist yet. There's no field in it. And so you could be the first person to go out there, do it, succeed in it, and then have everybody following your footsteps. And so that was, that's my next question was, how, is it, how has it been like for you as a female in this industry kind of charting your way? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, you know, at the beginning of the legalization um, period, I think it was a lot easier for women to come in and, and be kind of on that equal footing like you you described I think it's become a little bit harder because there's a lot of uh, interest in this industry mm. now and by interest I mean Money. like white men <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> coming in and um so I think it you know we're it's becoming a little bit more like other industries which is concerning to me but I do think that you're right in that there definitely are opportunities to grow um, as a professional woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Well, that, that's good. I mean, it's always good because we, as much as we try to push for equality all around, whether it be gender, whether it be race or whether it be sexuality, I think one of the things that we are always searching for are signs of within our everyday Change. life that it is actually happening, that it is actually working, that there are tangible, touchable uh, um, experiences that you can look to and say, okay, here's an example, here's an example. And I found that in interviewing people within the cannabis business. And so I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. to, to, rebl- to replay that to people that it is happening. Yeah, and I think another important aspect to think about with that is, you know, the majority of cannabis consumers are male. Um, that's changing where women are starting to try cannabis and benefit from it. Um, but ultimately, you know, they're going to have to fight wine, they're, yeah. they're gonna have to fight wine, <laughs> wine moms. We need yeah. weed, wa- weed yeah. moms. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as more women are starting to get interested in cannabis, you know, maybe we'll see more women also entering the industry too. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Mm-hmm. Oprah talking to you, Oprah. Oprah. <laughs> really? I mean, Whoopi Goldberg, she's like, I well, think yeah. she has her own line. Does she? Yeah. At the rate Ellen going, she need to get in this too. Cause she ain't, she can't be on TV no more. <laughs> She got, she can afford it. Yeah, she can definitely afford it. And and Mm -hmm. so I just love the fact that Tory Holistic, are they all set up the way Tory Holistic are where you are escorted back and you have a a person who helps you try to figure out what it is that you need? Because it's kind of intimidating if you've never Mm -hmm. been there to figure out how to maneuver it. Yeah, it, it varies a lot. So definitely not all dispensaries do it the way Tory Holistics does. Um, I do think, you know, having that person there to help you understand all the products is super important because, I mean, there's new ones coming out every single day. And like we were talking about earlier, cannabis is such a complicated plant and there's so many different types. Yeah. You know, you need to have your butt tender there to (laughs) kind of guide you along the way. It sounds like you're saying butt. Butt tender. That's something entirely different. <laughs> That's a different store. That's I a know. different store. That's a different I store. I know, but no, I, you know, I just think that w- if we have another source of relief for people and a place where people can go to maybe help with their chronic illnesses, I think it's great. And the stigma, I don't know, the stigma, it seems like maybe just in California, but it's just, it's like, okay, onto a, you know, a 
what are they called? A dispensary. And it's not that big a deal. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't. It's like, okay, my husband went and gets me these edibles. They're edibles, right? Yes. Little gummies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no big deal. It yeah. really isn't. Yeah. And I mean, California, you know, we're in a little bit of a, a bubble here, but across the country too, we're starting to see the stigma change. I think the most recent polls have shown something like 68% of Americans want to have it legalized, at, at least for medical use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the, the tides are starting to turn. So what, there's like 18, 19 states that have it legal right now? I think uh, it might be, yeah, like 18 for yeah. Medical right use now. For medical. Well, for medical, I think it's 37 okay. right now. It, it changes like every day. I mean, that's just, you know, another testament to how much things are, are changing. Right. So many new states. Because that's usually the first wall to fall is the medical one. Yes. Yeah. But it's good. It's a great option. And I love that um, people behind the counter are educated in trying to help you figure out your journey, whatever it is. I mean, if it's for anxiety, chronic pain, whatever it may be, because I know my son who lives in Chicago has difficulty sleeping. And I can, when I... You know, I see him. Yeah, I know. But I, he, he, you I ate think, all those. I you ate, ate all those. You're going to get another. But pack. I think he smokes it. So, um, but yeah, you know, he's a, he's a very responsible guy and whatever. And it just, the stigma kind of goes away. It's legal. It just kind of, just kind of goes away. It's like, okay, you know, it is. It's better than drinking. I take great pride in um, trying to break as many stigmas as I can. Being a student, being a runner. <laughs> All of them. All, All of, of them. them. No, All you do. Being a woman. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great because mm-hmm. stigmas can are a crusher, a deal crusher. Yeah. And I think that by changing the stigma of calling it cannabis, I think it's like the first thing, right. you know, it, it's, it's all good. So mm-hmm. I love that we have this and, you know, thank you so much for, for being here. Absolutely. I love every chance I can get to talk about cannabis. You are a great <laughs> representative for this industry because you're articulate you know what the hell you're talking about you know all the nuances and you're trying to figure out a way to make it I don't know if mainstream is the right word but to make it okay you know in the medical profession it's okay to recommend this that it's that it can enhance whatever the doctor wants you to do it can make it even better so I think that you're you're on to something Thank you. I, I appreciate too. that. Hey, the, the future of the future of this industry sounds like you, and I think it's in very good hands. Oh well, I know there's lots of great people also mm-hmm. working out there to break the stigma and, and advance the field. Well, I'll let you know when I I'm going to be visiting Tori Holistic, and I'll let you know I'll get a, a different kind of an edible, one that has <laughs> two two milligrams mm-hmm. of THC. Do you want to do? Do you want? Slow. Do you want to do it with me, John? I'm going there. I'm going there when this is over. So are you really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. They're a business partner of mine. I got, <laughs> I got perks at this place, okay? I got perks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.